Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Joe Ross, and I serve as an elder in our congregation. Oh, come, let us adore him. To begin our worship, we bow our heads in prayer. Shepherding God, whose signs are everywhere, restore in us your light that we may discern what you are about. Shine upon this assembly to give life to our tired routines. Fill our longing hearts with quiet confidence. Awaken the child in us to experience your revelation. By your presence with us, deepen the prayers we utter and turn our fears to eager anticipation. Touch us to lend strength and confidence as we reach out to one another for help and healing. Amen. Now, as we celebrate your coming, may our hearts receive your Holy Spirit, our ears listen to your word, and our voices be raised in joyful praise to the glory of God.
fourth Sunday of Advent, we will light the candle that represents love, the love that God, of God revealed in his humble appearance as an infant. Listen to the scripture reading from John 3, verses 16 through 17, that reveals the good news of love, God of the love that God revealed to the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ.
celebration. It is also a wake-up call while we rejoice in the birth of the Christ child Advent is also a call to create a larger place for he who is to come to acknowledge our sins and allow the forgiving Father to bring us into harmony with the will of the Savior. So join with me as together we respond by confessing our sins before God and one another. O oh God, you have called us to be your apostles of your grace, but we have been judgmental instead of gracious. We condemn in others what is also all too often in us. We refuse to listen to others' pain or to understand the sources of their tears. We avoid those who are angry or scornful or embittered. It is easier to dismiss the feelings of others than to offer true... <clears throat> we would rather <clears throat> than encounter them. Yet you come to us, Emmanuel, and we want to repent. You reach out to us <clears throat> and our hearts melt. We want to embrace this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ has come, and by our confession, he forgives us, lives through us, and renews the power of his birth again in our lives. That is the greatest Advent news of all. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. <clears throat> Now, in this special season, the Apostles' Creed should have special meaning to us, so let us share it together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of life, the life everlasting. Amen. And now on this beautiful morning, Let's greet one another in the spirit of our Lord.
Good morning. We are so glad you are with us this morning on this, the fourth Sunday of Advent. Uh, we have seven days until Christmas, just in case you didn't know that when you were walking in the door. We're glad that you can join us on this journey to Bethlehem, and especially if you're visiting with us, perhaps you've come in from out of town, or you are visiting some friends or family. We would love to uh, get to know you even better and perhaps make this your home away from home as you uh, come back and forth to and from Sarasota. We're thankful that we can be about the great life of the church each and every day of each and every year and lots of opportunities for you to do that. We uh, have an active week coming up, but before I get to that, friendship pads, pass those to your neighbor and uh, note those folks who are sitting near you and hopefully you can continue a conversation with them. We are Delighted to be able to offer many, many different kinds of worship opportunities for you this week as we journey to Bethlehem. On Tuesday night, we have our longest night service, and this is a service that has become very meaningful to many people, a time where we gather up folks, not just only folks uh, who are struggling through the holidays. Perhaps Christmas is not bringing its uh, normal Christmas cheer to you. Perhaps you have someone in your life that uh, is going through a difficult time right now and is finding the holidays a, a hard thing to celebrate. This is a service designed specifically for them. We invite you to invite them, and uh, you'll note the announcement on page 7 in your bulletin, but we have cards available for you that we'll be handing out to you after the end of the service. And uh, we invite you to take those home with you, not just as a reminder for you, but perhaps to give to somebody that you know who's going through a difficult time in the holidays and perhaps invite them, perhaps even bring them to our longest night service at 6 o'clock this Tuesday evening. And then on Friday evening at 5 o'clock, don't get those times mixed up, at 5 o'clock on Friday night, we'll be on the beach for our uh, third, fourth annual Christmas Eve Eve beach service. And uh, it is a lot of fun. Those of you who have been to that, it's just a great time of singing some carols, hearing a message, and inviting all of our beach friends to come and join us. So uh, don't come in coat and tie. <laughs> come in your flip-flops and, uh, and shorts and, and join us as we have a, a great time. You might want to bring a beach chair with you uh, as we enjoy that time together. Five o'clock Friday night, Christmas Eve, Eve beach service. Then Christmas Eve, Saturday night, we'll be here in the sanctuary for four services, five, seven, nine, 11. And we would love to have you join us. Our family worship at five o'clock where we have parents and children and we do all kinds of fun things uh, is a real highlight for many of you. And then our traditional candlelight services, seven, nine, and 11. And 11 o'clock we'll be having communion as we welcome in Christmas day. And then of course this year, Christmas day falls on a Sunday. 
And so we will be worshiping at a different time, 10 o'clock, not 9 o'clock. Put that in your brain, 10 o'clock, not 9 o'clock. Uh, we will be here, the whole campus will be here for one service, 10 o'clock in the sanctuary, and we hope that you'll come and join us for that. Also on Christmas Day, we will be hosting uh, several families who do not have a home. We celebrate, don't we, on Christmas, a homeless family that has no room for them in the inn. And so we welcome uh, families onto our campus Christmas Day throughout the Christmas week from Christmas to New Year's. And we would love for you to help us out with that. All sorts of ways you can do that. Supplies, spending the night, hosting families, so on and so forth. You can see our good friends out underneath the tree and they would be happy to sign you up. Then on New Year's Day, we begin a new worship schedule. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock, nine o'clock here in the sanctuary, 10 o'clock over in the campus center for our contemporary service and then 11 o'clock back here in the sanctuary. So keep that in mind. Our Connect magazine is available for you to take home with you after the service today for all of our January events. And then lastly, we call your attention to the progress we've been making in our generosity, uh, our year-end giving. We would love for you to take note of that. We still have a ways to go. And uh, many of you I know don't wait, wait until the end of the year to make your gifts, but we encourage you not only to uh, be mindful of the, January th uh, the December 31st deadline, but also perhaps even to see whether or not you wish to give above and beyond what you have already pledged and give as we move into the end of this year. We are delighted to have some new members here at Church of the Palms, so come on up. We welcome you. It's so good to have you here. We had a new members class just this past Sunday, and these good folks were a part of it. You'll take note of their pictures in the bulletin insert that you received today, and now they appear before you, and we are delighted that they can be a part of uh, our ministry here at Church of the Palms. So I'd like to introduce them to you. And uh, if, when I call your name, if you just raise your hand so that we put name and face together. Young Su Choi, wave over there, there you go. Diane and Tom Mahan, Liz and Ron Toussaint, and Myrna Wolf. Would you welcome these good people as they come before us? And you can turn toward me if you so choose, if you could stand it. We are delighted that you are uh, taking this great step. You have answered these questions already in the presence of our elders this past Sunday, but we are delighted that you are before us today to publicly recognize and reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ. So allow me to answer, ask you these questions as you come into membership here. Is Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Yes. Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? Yes. And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? Yes. By your answering those questions in the affirmative, you have 
taken that great public step of witnessing to your faith in Jesus Christ and becoming a part of the body of Christ, which is such an essential part of the journey that we are all a part of. And we're grateful that you have chosen to sign on to our mission of loving God and loving neighbor as we seek to be Christ's light in the world and seek to be through our life together a reflection of what Christ would want the life of this world to look like. So we're delighted that you're with us today and let us receive them with a word of prayer. Let us pray. Thank you, O oh God, for your blessing in our life and for the blessing of the church. We're grateful that you have endowed us with this great family of God of which we can be a part. And thankful, Lord, that you have allowed these folks to come and be a part of our life together, to work with us shoulder to shoulder, to be about this great mission of loving God and loving neighbor, and to seek to be Christ's light in the world, that the world may see through who we are and what we do and how we do our life together, that there is hope for the world, the world can come together in the truth of your love for us. So we pray, O oh Lord, that we may know of your presence, that we may know of our relationship with you, and that we may deepen our relationship with each other, and especially with these, our new friends. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Welcome to the church. Yes, yes. Welcome, welcome, welcome.
Let us pray. O Lord of all, in whom we live and move and have our being, we give you our thanks and praise for the blessings that you graciously bestow upon us, the gift of life, which you sustain at every moment through the breath of your spirit, this beautiful creation, this family of faith, and the gift of abundant and eternal life made available through the life, death, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. We thank you that through our baptism into Christ's death, we too can look forward with confidence to our own future resurrection. Help us, O oh God, to live lives marked by gratitude in response to what you have done for us. Motivate us not to think less of ourselves, but to think of ourselves less often as we learn to put others first. Enable us to be gracious and kind when our first reaction might be to snap at someone, to actively listen rather than thinking of what we want to say next, to bless rather than curse as we experience the frustrations of traffic. In short, help us to be salt and light in our homes, at our places of work and school, sports and community activities, on the road and wherever we find ourselves. We long for others to see Jesus in us, but we cannot do it without you and the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray now, O oh God, that you will hear the deep prayers of our hearts as we lift up those people and situations that are in our thoughts this morning. Prayers for those who are waiting on a diagnosis or struggling with problems, experiencing discontent in their relationships, or who have lost touch with your presence. In this brief moment of silence, we lift those concerns up to you. Help us to remember, Holy Father, that this world is not our home, that we move in the world as pilgrims, where each day is a journey, each place visited an opportunity, each encounter a possibility to see your image in another, <clears throat> excuse me, or to share the good news that in Jesus, the whole world is being made right. All praise be to you, God of grace, God of mercy, God of justice, God of peace. These things we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us continue our worship with the presentation of our tithes and offerings. Just 
pray. God of great wonders, we join with you in the joy of this season of giving. You gave us a savior who is Christ the Lord. You give us life and breath. You fill the world with beauty, our hands with bounty, and our hearts with a desire to give. Accept these gifts and ourselves in service always in every season. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, and now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Miss Carol. There's lots. Right up there, look at those beautiful flowers up there. I love it. Look at it. We got a big bunch. Welcome. Look at everybody. Come on up. Have a seat. Hey, Sydney. Hey, Moxie. So, uh, you guys saw the candles being lit by the Milliken family, and we are celebrating love. We lit the love candle. So, can anyone tell me what they love most about this time of year? Sydney, what do you love most? That I get to be with my family. Yeah, nice. Reese. Worshiping God and Jesus. Nice. What do you guys love about this time of year? So Christmas. Christmas! It is, oh, we're here. We got Jesus' birthday. Jesus' yes. birthday. It is one week away from when we celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And so this morning we heard, um, we heard in our Bible uh, verse, we heard about the angel telling Mary that she was going to have a baby, and she was to name the baby Jesus. Did you guys know that Jesus is sometimes called the Lamb of God? So I thought, um, I would, is it okay if I read you guys a poem? So Jesus' mother's name is Mary, and I'd like to read you a new poem called Mary Had a Little Lamb. You know that one? This, one, this one's a little different. It is... Um, different because I think it helps us understand the meaning of how much God loves us when he sent his son, Jesus, to be born on the very first Christmas. So here it goes. Mary had a little lamb. He was born on Christmas Day. He, she laid him in a manger bed to sleep upon the hay. Angels filled the nighttime sky, and they began to sing. Shepherds heard them all proclaim the birthday of a king. Wise men saw a blazing star up in the sky that night. They followed it until they found the king of love and light. Mary had a little lamb, but he wasn't hers, you know. He was the very son of God, the one who loves us so. The father of this little lamb loved the world so much that he sent his only son to earth so we could feel his touch. He came to give us joy and peace and take away our sin. So when he knocks on your heart's door, be sure to let him in. Why do I love this precious lamb? What can the reason be? The answer is quite plain to see. It's because he first loved me. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for sending your precious lamb to take away our sin. Help us to remember as we celebrate his birthday that he is and he was the
the greatest gift of all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. be seated. (coughs) 
You'll want to make a point after the service today to greet our newest members. They will be out under the tree, on the way to the tree in the courtyard, and welcome them with your great Church of the Palms hospitality. <clears throat> we have been listening to the voices of the prophets over this Advent season, and today the voice of the prophet comes through the mouth of an angel as we uh, now find ourselves in the New Testament beginning in the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter. We hear the announcement of the Messiah to come through the words of an angel to a young unmarried teenage girl. Hear the word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now, therefore, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, here am I, a servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We are grateful for that moment when the angel came and when the angels continue to come bearing the good news that life does not have to remain the same, that there is good news of Messiah, of redemption, of change. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will give us ears to hear even in these words to come, echoes of what the angel would say and echoes of what we are to hear in order for this to be the Christmas you intend for us to have. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I was talking to a friend of mine a week or so ago from out of state on the phone and, the other, and she asked me a question that I think I have been asked at least a hundred times 
since the beginning of December. Maybe you've been asked the same question a hundred times since the beginning of December. And her question was this, are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? I so badly wanted to tell her, oh yes, I'm ready for Christmas, all things under control, whole Christmas list checked off. But I could not say that with a straight face, so I told her the truth. I said, no, not even close. And with that, no, not even close, came this impending sense of anxiety and mild self-loathing. What kind of human being am I that I'm not ready for Christmas? What kind of pastor am I, for God's sake, that I'm not ready for Christmas? Kind of wished the question had not been asked, or at least I had not, that I had not taken it so seriously. Maybe I should have lied and just said yes and remained in a state of denial. Are you ready for Christmas? Because as soon as someone asks that question, it does remind me of how unready I am, of how many more presents I have to buy, of how many more sermons I have to write, of how many more cards that need to be sent. So I told my friend no, and to be polite, I asked her in return, so are you ready for Christmas, hoping beyond hope that she was as bad off as I was? Of course, she responded, yes. <laughs> Gift spot, card sent, parties plan, house clean. <laughs> I hate these kinds of people. So now my anxiety is off the charts. If she can be ready for Christmas, why shouldn't I be ready for Christmas? Lord, I'm a pastor. I need to be ready for Christmas. Are you ready for Christmas? I heard a couple no's out there. <laughs> now, before that question spikes your blood pressure, I want to wonder with you for a moment as to whether that is the right Christmas question. Are you ready for Christmas? To ask that question is to imply, of course, that Christmas is something that you can be ready for and that you should be prepared for. That is to say that Christmas is something that you and I can somehow plan for, save for, buy for, otherwise engineer, and that if we don't plan for it or save for it or buy for it or otherwise engineer it, well, then somehow it's not going to come off the way it's supposed to come off. So how is Christmas supposed to come off? Don't we all go into Christmas with some idea of how it's supposed to, you know, come off? There it sits now, a week away, December 24 and 25 next weekend, with all of our plans and purchases and points of destination. We have this idea, don't we, how Christmas is supposed to come off? For some of us, the expectations are really, really high, and for some, the expectations are really, really low. And the rest of us have it somewhere in between. But we all have this idea, don't we, of how Christmas is supposed to come off. But if, is there, if there is anything that is constant about Christmas is that year after year, it does not come off exactly how we thought or hoped it would. For some of us, it comes off a whole lot better. And for others of us, it comes off not the way we hoped. And so it begs the question, can you ever be ready for Christmas? It's a question begged not only out of our own experience, but maybe even out of the Christmas story itself. Which of the Advent characters would you dare to ask if they were ready for Christmas? You were to ask the characters of the nativity, you know, those little figurines in your creche display, you know, like the ones we have up here in the front. 
If you were to ask any of those characters, if they were ready for Christmas, what do you think they'd say? What about the shepherds? What would the shepherds say if you asked them, are you ready for Christmas? Out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, are you ready for Christmas? What might they say? Because for Christmas, because for them, Christmas happened when they were just kind of trying to mind their own business, completely unprepared, not necessarily the religious type, not frequent attendees at the nearby temple. Nevertheless, the angel and the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. How can you be ready for that? The innkeeper, of of course, the Bible makes no mention of an innkeeper, but maybe there was someone who had to deliver the bad news that there was no room in the inn. The young couple standing at the door, Mary, great with child, oh, just booked the last room a half hour ago, you know. The census rush, if I had known you were coming, if you had called ahead, had you used Priceline? <laughs> how's, a girl, how's a guy like that supposed to be ready for Christmas? Zechariah and Elizabeth, well beyond their childbearing years, settled into a life without children, preparing for retirement, just made a down payment on a little place on the Mediterranean Sea. And then all of a sudden, Elizabeth begins to show with the voice who will soon cry in the wilderness. Are you ready for Christmas, Elizabeth? Had you asked, she might have slapped you. And what about Mary? Mary of our story this morning, dear young Mary, minding her own business, making plans for the big wedding, looking forward to getting on with that normal Jewish, young Jewish peasant life. Are you ready for Christmas, Mary? Are you ready for the angel, Mary? Are you ready for the angel to say, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him his, the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Merry Christmas, Mary. Doesn't take much imagination to imagine that at this point in the conversation there was a pause. A pregnant pause, shall we say. <laughs> Can you hear Mary trying to catch her breath? Can you see her face turn white? Can you see her looking for a seat to sit down? Can you feel the pregnant pause? And then Mary asks her own question, her own Christmas question. How can this be? How can this be since I have no husband? Oh, oh Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. He will be called the Son of the Most High. Nothing will be impossible, Mary, with God. 
Now notice what the angel does not say. Notice that he does not ask our Christmas question. Are you ready, Mary? Are you ready for Christmas, Mary? Because of course she's not. She never will be. When the news comes for the census and Joseph tells her that they have to travel to Bethlehem, maybe even as late as her ninth month, are you, are you ready for Christmas, Mary? Don't ask when the innkeeper sends them away because there's no room in the inn. Are you ready for Christmas, Mary? Don't ask when the best they can find is a barn to deliver on a stack of hay, no better, a birthing room for a cow and a calf. Oh, are you ready for Christmas, Mary? Please don't ask. When you deliver the firstborn son and wrap him the best you can in swaddling claws and the best you can find is to lay him in a manger, a feeding trough, are you ready for Christmas, Mary? Not the right question. Because it's true, isn't it? Christmas in the end is not something you can be ready for. And maybe, just maybe, it's something you should not be ready for. Because as far as I can tell, reading the Christmas story, Christmas is a, has a whole lot more to do, not with what we do, but with what God does. Not with what we do, but with what God does. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Christian theologian who participated in the resistance to Hitler during World War II and for it was arrested, imprisoned, and later executed. In his letters and papers from prison wrote this about Advent, quote, life in a prison cell reminds me a great deal of Advent. One waits, one hopes, one putters about, but in the end what we do is of little consequence for the door is shut and can be only opened from the outside. Who can be ready for what God does? Is there a chance that Christmas is more about the things we don't prepare for than the things we do prepare for? Several years ago, when Brittany was young, we decided to give her for Christmas a little toy, a high chair for her dolls. We had it delivered, I think probably at the beginning of December, but I had procrastinated in putting it together until late in the evening on December the 22nd. Some of you know how skilled I am mechanically. Well, sure enough, I have gotten to the end of putting this high chair together, and I realized I had put on one of the parts on backwards, and it needed to come off so I could put it on the right way. Well, it, it, it wouldn't come off, so I pulled, and I pulled, and tugged, and finally yanked, and it came off in two pieces. <laughs> and with that piece, there meant no high chair, my fatherly life passed in front of my eyes. If this was going to be Christmas, I was not ready for it. My daughter had asked for this uh, maybe four months before. The next morning, I called the toy company and got a customer service person on the phone and told him what had happened and that it was entirely my fault and so on and so forth. And after telling my tale of woe, do you know what the customer service representative said to me? He said, Mr. McConnell, you're in big doo-doo. <laughs> Talk about a pregnant pause. <laughs> but then out of the silence, he said to me, 
don't worry, Mr. McConnell, that piece will be on your front porch Christmas Eve in a FedEx box, no charge. How can this be? <laughs> I asked the customer service representative. Merry Christmas, he said. And the next day the FedEx box was there. An act of grace, unsolicited, undeserved, certainly undeserved, caught me rather unprepared. I wasn't ready for Christmas to happen that way from a customer service representative. Seven years ago, it was like today, the fourth Sunday of Advent, I stood in the back of the chancel preparing to process up the center aisle on the fourth Sunday of Advent to begin fourth Sunday of Advent worship. How many times did I processed up a center aisle? Impossible to count. And this day especially was a beautiful day. All the decorations were up, all the poinsettias carefully arranged, the prelude of familiar carols coming to a close, everything ready for Christmas, except that the day before I had buried my father, the one who I saw countless times processed down that down an aisle of a half dozen churches, the one whose not fully on key voice would bellow through the sanctuary, the one who embodied for me much of what the manger child in flesh ten days before I had hummed Christmas carols to him in the hospital, but now he was gone. And we began down the aisle singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And with that, there was a pit in my stomach and a lump in my throat and a hole in my heart. But draped from the Advent wreath was that word, love. Love. All of what I was feeling, as hard as it was to feel it, had everything to do with love love most keenly felt in the deepest sadness. And above it, the light, the light that flickers in the darkness, light that seems most striking, the darker it is. How can you be prepared for a Christmas like that? You see, messiahs don't come to people who have their acts together. It's not the purpose of a messiah. Messiahs come to people who know that as much as they plan, as hard as they work, as prepared as they hope to be, they still know that the door is locked from the outside. And God comes when God wants. God shows up at the strangest of times in the strangest of ways. And our readiness comes when we know how unready we are. Just ask Mary, ask Elizabeth, Zechariah, the innkeepers, and the shepherds. Are you ready for Christmas? That is to say, are you ready to be surprised? Are you ready to be caught off guard? Are you ready to have something work that you didn't think would ever work or something not work that you really, really, really wanted to work? And are you ready for God to show up in that unexpected place, even in the deep sadness, 
even in the deep darkness because messiahs come mostly to those who are unprepared. Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.